Hi, listeners. Just a quick note that we are going to be spoiling The Killer today. So if you haven't watched it yet, head on over to Netflix and give it a watch before you listen to this episode. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Y'all better grab your extra large popcorn. We are in the thick of things with great films. I am open and positive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Let's throw okay. on these boxer gloves. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive on a new release that's just hit theaters or streaming. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And you know, it's amazing how physically exhausting it can be to record a podcast. If you're not able to endure waking up at the crack of dawn in a foreign country, hungover from too many margaritas, you're not cut out for this job. Popeye the Sailor Man probably said it best when he said, I'm strong to the finish because I eats me spinach. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> 140 million people are born every year. Every second, 1.8 people die. How many of them are gays in Mexico? Death by sunshine and overconsumption of El Pastor street tacos. <laughs> this week's film is the latest from David Fincher a director who has expressed his distinctive and compelling form of filmmaking in classics like Fight Club, Seven. The Social Network, Zodiac, his new film, The Killer, stars Michael Fassbender as The Killer, an assassin possessed of a deep, bottomless cavern of cynicism, much like Miss Sinclair. Hell yeah! (laughs) One day, he fucks up on the job and then does what he does best, embarking on a killing spree that he tells himself isn't at all personal after all. He serves no god, nor country, flies no flag. He don't give a fuck. Or does he? <laughs> the killer asks the question, isn't it all just human nature? Express yourself, don't repress yourself. <laughs> oh, the irony <laughs> of it all, David Fincher. Uh, it, listeners, if you didn't guess already, Edison's in Mexico. Yeah. Yes, what is Diaz? <laughs> So that's nice Amazing. for him. It is really lovely. It's about 4 million degrees. The sun is shining. I'm in absolute heaven. I've got an iced coffee and fruit and yogurt. Everything is great. I'm in Sayulita. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. Okay, but it, your trip didn't actually start off so incredible. Listen, Helen. Uh, are you trying to re-traumatize me? No, but I, I think that your um, the lesson that you learned from your little debacle at the start of your trip sort of relates to this film in a... Exact opposite way. Yeah, the yeah. exact opposite of the mantra. It's actually really How do you really tell the funny. listeners what happened? Yeah, my mantra is never plan in advance. Yeah. yeah. Ne- do not prepare. Yeah. Uh, no, this is the very first time in my entire life that I packed in advance. I packed three days in advance before I I could f- never I do that. And I flew from Halifax to Toronto, where we had a lovely dinner, and then I was mm-hmm. flying from Toronto to Mexico, to Puerto Vallarta. Well, like an absolute dunderbolt, mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot my passport in Halifax. Mm-hmm. The most important item. Yeah, and it yeah. was a ludicrous adventure uh, trying to get it. I managed to get it on a cargo flight with Air Canada, and it got there, and I had to change my flights, but I only lost one day of my trip, and it only cost about $350 to fix this stupid mistake. But That's I swear to God. crazy it only cost that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm impressed. I, I swear it's because I planned in advance and I packed in yeah. advance. If I, I didn't love, do that. 
I love that that's the lesson that you learned from this. Like, that's your takeaway to not yeah. plan in advance. Yeah. But that is not the story of the killer. So why don't we jump into this? What's your first impression, Sinclair? Well, I love a David Fincher opening title sequence. <laughs> love it. They're always the coolest. They're so stylish. There's something really exciting about them. My favorite is actually the girl with the dragon tattoo. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite title sequences of all time. And this one also really super sleek. It has the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score. And it was almost over too quickly. I could have watched 15 minutes uh, of the opening title sequence. You know, this goes into a very calm, serene, meditative killer who's sitting there in his nihilism. He's studying his next job. He's expressing his boredom. And I actually went back today and I watched the opening title sequence again because at first I was just really focused on the music of it and just the energy of it. But when I went back and I spent time looking at the images, it's so funny because it's actually the highlight reel of his previous kills. Yeah. And all of the kills are a lot more exciting. They are. What he is currently doing, which I think is really funny. You know, there's like a rope and there's um, him switching out some medication. Yeah, drops the hair dryer. And it's so funny because it is like a, you know, the highlight reel of our lives (laughs) that we present. And then it goes into this just really bored guy doing his job and you're put right into his boring reality and I thought that was really really clever and something that I missed the first time around but really truly understood it more when I went back and watched it uh, Mm -hmm. again so really liked that yeah that's cool yeah yeah I mean one of the advantages to a film that we're covering being on Netflix is that we actually can go back and revisit Mm. things when it's in theaters, you know, unless we want to go pay another $15, we're probably not going to do that. So I did the same thing, Sinclair. I went back and watched the beginning again in a couple other scenes. And, you know, that first line, it's amazing how physically exhausting it can be to do nothing. (laughs) And I just thought, same. (laughs) I I just wanted it to be delivered by Jennifer Coolidge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing how exhausting it would be. Like, I can't do it, but that would be so brilliant. Yeah, you know, I, I liked that opening, and we get right away, we delve into the Michael Fassbender internal monologue, which lasts for a lot of this movie. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the, that tone is set right off the bat, and yeah, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool, too. Uh, it, that that line where he says, if you cannot endure boredom, this isn't the profession for you, just really <laughs> stuck with me because I was yeah. like, I found it so hilarious. Yeah, because yeah, like, you fr- can't really endure boredom. <laughs> yeah, you really bored. are the opposite of this guy. Yeah, you I don't know, like truly. to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I just found it really, like, because at first blush, it sounds kind of like a ludicrous thing to say about an assassin, right? Like, right. we imagine that job being all adrenaline and action but it's like I was like it's more like fishing like Mm -hmm. yeah you hope to catch a fish and that's your plan and it's exciting in that moment but like 99% of the time you're just sitting there waiting for the thing to happen yeah and also I hadn't seen Michael Fassbender in anything in a while and he's just got such like a a face I just see such a great presence I I was so excited right off the bat Mm -hmm. yeah well shall we get into the storytelling yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that we can kind of start with that opening yeah. scene in the opening monologue. And 
I mean, look, I can get sucked right into philosophical nihilistic voids. <laughs> so, no. you know, right away, whatever he's saying, my ears are perked up. Some of my favorite quotes. And I this kind of reminded me of the Gone Girl monologue, like the cool girl monologue. Mm-hmm. This is kind of this movie's version of that. Or, you know, the um, Edward Norton voiceover in Fight Club. But some of my favorite uh, lines from this monologue are, I'm not exceptional, I'm just a part. Luck mm-hmm. isn't real, nor is karma. Sadly, neither is justice. <laughs> One is born, lives their life, and eventually dies. Yeah. And I, I was listening to this, and I was like, Edison is not subscribing to this philosophy right now <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, but I think that this monologue and this, you know, the, the opening 15 minutes of this film it's really great because I think at first glance, when you watch this, you might think that we're not really learning a ton about this this character. I think that there could be an argument there where we don't know too much about him. But I think that the movie does give us a lot about him. It's just done in this very sardonic, comical way. And I found that one thing that was really telling about him was that his mantra was made up of a lot of quotes that he's heard. He Mm -hmm. sounds Mm -hmm. like somebody who's taken a lot of his personality Mm -hmm. from pop pop culture references. And I think that that is in a way a dig at us Mm -hmm. as the audience that, you know, we're always looking (laughs) for a mantra to follow in life. We need a mantra. We need something that we believe in. And his is like that he's saying he believes in nothing, but at the same time, that still is in itself a mantra. So <laughs> yeah. I think that it's really interesting because he could have just been a guy sitting at a desk doing, you know, his yeah. office job at the same time. So I think that it's interesting he's kind of comparing this assassin to just like the everyday Joe at the same right. time. Yeah. Well, even one of the first quotes that he says he can't even remember who he's quoting. Yeah, yeah. he's like, somebody right? said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. I was absolutely not buying into oh. the philosophy of it. <laughs> but, the, but at the same fine. time, he doesn't really either. As we totally, see as but we don't actually yeah. know that at the beginning at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. Um, we, we don't realize the inherent like uh, contradiction of this character. Right. But like he presents himself as such a like he says uh, his key to success is that he doesn't give a fuck. He says mm-hmm. from the beginning of history, the few have always exploited the many. This is the cornerstone of civilization. And uh. I was like, dude, <laughs> come on, get over yourself. Like, but yeah. he's not wrong. Well, Edison feels like he's wrong. The Edison will not subscribe to this. There's I don't. Just no way he'll and, sit in yeah. that nihilism. No, I don't. And but I, I don't mind a character that does. Yeah. I can watch a character that does, especially when that character is Michael Fassbender. So right, I, yeah. yeah, at the beginning it was cool. I'm into this. I liked, you know, how it was coming along. Storytelling wise, beyond that though, like it didn't work for me. I thought this mm. was such a simple story. It's the, the most simple plot in the world. Like mm-hmm. this, he fucks up a job. His bosses try and kill him. He or get his lover, maybe they, and then he like is essentially just trying to clean up the mess and make kill his way out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen this story a hundred thousand times, right? Like it's literally every revenge plot. It's John Wick, but like less exciting <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, okay, so let me just say first that this is actually based off of a French graphic novel, 
um, that was written by Alexis Nolan and illustrated by Luke Jacquemont. And I didn't know that until afterwards. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because it does read like a graphic novel, right? It proceeds like one, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And even with, we get chapter headings for the different like acts of the movie, which to be honest, I kind of hate that in movies because it really throws me off. I'm like, can I just like take it in? I don't need you to like tell me. And I also mm-hmm. find that I don't um, I digest it right away. So I don't really notice it until like halfway through. And then I'm like, wait, what were the other chapters? I don't remember. And mm-hmm. it just, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. You've had that complaint before though with movies Have I? with chapters. Yeah, you've definitely, I just, that isn't your thing at all. You I, don't I just find that. it kind of, it's almost like it's telling me how I'm supposed to perceive what's about to happen. And mm-hmm. it, it just takes me out of it. Yeah, you like um, something more fluid. Yeah, like more, yeah. Not as like structured in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know what you mean, Edison. It is, it is simple. And I had that thought as well. I think where it stands out from like other maybe like assassin films is that we are living, I guess, inside this guy's mind. And we're seeing how more how he operates from like a psychosomatic perspective you know Mm -hmm. him having to bring his heart rate down and like all of the very like calculated ways that he goes about his job that was what I found interesting about this movie it wasn't so much what he was doing but how he was doing it I actually agree with that that was my favorite bit of it too totally the Mm -hmm. the how I thought that was actually Mm -hmm. really cool yeah I can definitely see how one would watch this and and honestly think like ah you know what I I don't want an assassin movie that is like self-referential or, you know, full of philosophical musings and like a slow burn. Like I can actually see people wanting to just watch a really solid David Fincher film that's like exciting and not be such of a slow burn. I I don't know. The world might be over a lot of the the meta self-referential stuff as well. So I do think that there might be an expectation for this film when you go in and it's not that. I liked that. I like the fact that he missed, (laughs) you know? I think it's really interesting to watch somebody sound so good at their job and look so good at their job and then miss. And Mm -hmm. then that's the catalyst of the film because I think when we watch movies about assassins like it's very rare that they fuck Are up fallible. the first yeah. job that we see <laughs> this mm-hmm. character do we have actually put so much trust in this character already from the beginning to be good at his job yeah mm-hmm. and then he misses mm-hmm. but then and the film never lets him miss again well he does though that's what's so funny about it is he actually does go on this odyssey of like near fuck ups and he essentially is saying at the beginning of the film I don't give a fuck and that's how I get through to giving a fuck yeah the whole movie is him actually actually giving a fuck and trying to still keep that mantra while doing the opposite of what he's saying okay but that didn't work for me no that didn't work for you but I did find the dark humor in that and I did kind of enjoy that I actually also don't mind if it were, if it's like, 
an assassin film, an assassin having a sort of existential crisis or something, trying to grapple with the fact that he's created this entire persona for himself of like this, I don't give a fuck, and then actually being compelled to give a fuck. My problem was that that contradiction of the character, there was nothing in the film that made me buy it or that made me feel like we didn't see any side of his emotional, like why was he emotionally driven to seek vengeance for this the assault of this woman. We didn't. Mm-hmm. There was one scene with her. What is the relationship? Is he well, with her? I don't. How does think, that square with all of this? I right. don't think that the motivation was necessarily that woman. I think the motivation was the mistake. Was an affront Ooh. to his. Yeah. Like, his yeah. I don't. I think it was like. Yeah, he probably skill. cares about her to a certain degree, but I think it was like an ego thing as well, and also just. Mm. I think that really controlled people. The whole idea of anticipate, don't improvise is because they don't want to deal with a mistake. The mistake is the Mm. end of the world. 100%. Truly. And I think that that hit home way more than his actual home (laughs) in Dominican Republic. Um, I think the movie is about the mistake. And I get that. And that actually makes sense for Fincher because I feel like he's a super controlled director, right? Well, in general, that's, that's how he I was saying too. This is very self-referential. Like that's a big comparison is obviously you have the, one of the most control freak directors since Stanley Kubrick, you know? But I think the other thing too is he makes you kind of sit in the process which is funny because there's a lot of jabs at the audience in this too. And I think that he's poking fun at us for wanting this instantaneous, exciting result. Yet he's like, for so much of the movie, just making us sit in the process of something. I think there's like a filmmaker reference in this in terms of hey we hand you these movies mm-hmm. on these really easy to access streaming services and you watch them with your phone in your hand and you watch them while you're doing your dishes and you forget about the process and the the construction of this art and it's so strange to me that he works with Netflix and you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this movie and what would I rate this movie? And I was like, this, does this movie even want me to rate it? And then I'm like, but yes, it does because I'm going to get an email from Netflix saying, what did you <laughs> think of the killer? You. <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's just, just this weird um, self-conflict, I think, that he's poking fun of within himself. Like, here's this If he's artist. aware of it. If he's aware of it. But it also, you said it at the beginning. He's definitely aware of it because he has... He's done music videos like you just said. He did Vogue. He's, he did ex- yeah. Express Yourself, Don't Repress Yourself. He did <laughs> George Michael's Freedom. Nine, like One it's, of my favorites It's ever. funny. It's really, really mm. funny when you look at this movie and look at his career. It's, it's so like darkly comical. It's interesting that you have that take because I feel like the average person who watches this will not know any of that and will yeah. not experience the movie that way. Like, you're Mm -hmm. viewing it from a very, like, informed, critical, analytical lens that that aids. Like, now you saying that, I'm like, oh, wow, this movie has so much more than I thought. But I'm like, how many people are going to think that are going to pick up on that? Well, and how many people think about the director more than the movie that they're watching, you know? Right. 
And so yeah. that's what I mean. So yes, it might work if it, for you, for somebody who wants to invest in that particular story and really yeah. see it. And that's cool. But that's a bit mm-hmm. like a jerk-off session for a director. To me. It's <laughs> well, like, he's if he's yeah. just trying to flesh all that out and talk about the process, and that's really what it's all about. But ultimately, you don't actually give a shit. Like, answer me this. Did you, either of you, for a single second, actually give a shit about Michael Fassbender's mission? Did you want him to succeed? Did you want him to not succeed? Did you care about the arc? Did you even think about the woman or his job or whatever? Did you care? No. I I actually was sort of hoping he would fail. You found more entertainment in the failure, for sure. Well, I just thought, I just thought, like, it's possible. It's, I mean, he fails in the beginning. Like, it's possible that he fucks up and someone kills him. It's possible. It's very possible. See, I actually wasn't invested in the mission, but what I found to be the most suspenseful parts of this movie is like not knowing if he was going to kill someone or not. Okay, I agree with that. That was like good. I the whole movie. I was like, is he? Because he'd have these like glimmers of empathy, and he'd be saying his mantra, and I'd be kind of like on the edge of my seat, being like, is he gonna let her go? Like mm-hmm. that, a lawyer's assistant, yeah. I, and and he would mm-hmm. show these. You never know if he's gonna kill somebody or not. And then at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, the final boss that he gets to, like the final boss, he doesn't kill. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So the the last person he get it, w- it would be like Uma Thurman not killing Bill, you know. But uh, totally. And I guess a hundred percent. And that bit was interesting, right? He's saying to himself, "Forbid empathy. Empathy is weakness. Weakness is vulnerability." And then he kills. Like it's like he's saying that to convince himself, right? Okay, you are this mm-hmm. guy. You can do this. And he almost has to like kill that assistant to to like revalidate his own self identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. I just feel like it still didn't give me enough of like who this person is or what their motivations yeah. are yeah. beyond just this weird self-identity. And for a film that spends that's about two hours long and spends an hour and 50 minutes of it in, with a voiceover inside this person's mm-hmm. head, we should know more about what his inner like, yeah. place is. Didn't you find the that end line that he says to Claiborne at the end, he says, I just wanted you to know how easy it would be for me to get to you. Mm. And he's like, well, this is a really secure building. And there's so many conveniences that are used in this movie. And that line was really scary at the end. He didn't Mm -hmm. even need to kill him. He was just Mm -hmm. like, I just want you to know how easy it is for me to get to you in this day and age, right? Like it's- And maybe that's worse. And it now this guy worse. has the to live the rest of his worse. life, yeah, knowing that this guy could get to him at any time, mm-hmm. and he's never actually safe, no matter how much money he spends. I will say that I was worried, and I was mentioning this to you, Edison, that this is being described as a really personal film for David Fincher. This is one of his most personal films, and I'm like, oh no, that's a kiss of death for me <laughs> normally, because I do find when a director is doing his most personal film, it becomes so self-indulgent and mm-hmm. and it becomes just long and so self-absorbed. And like, it, it's so funny because this one I like where Mank, I actually think is his most personal film. So I'm mm. not going to count The Killer as his most personal film. I think it's the <laughs> film where he pokes fun at himself the most. Sinclair denies his own... <gasps> It's a personal <laughs> film. I know which one's personal to you, David Fincher. Okay. <laughs> Should we get into performances? Yeah, let's do it. 
like you said at the beginning, Edison, we haven't seen Michael Fassbender in so long. And when he was like super hot, I don't know, 10 years ago, hot ter- mm-hmm. in terms of like in Career. everything. Yeah. Also hot though in, in physical form. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he was like the it guy in Hollywood. Totally. It, mm-hmm. And and then he it just did sort of feel like he disappeared. And it was it so was Assassin's nice. Creed. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was yeah. so nice to like see him in this and to spend so much time with him in this movie where it is so much of it is internal monologue. Like there are few lines that are actually spoken in mm. real time in this movie. And that's a hard thing to do as an actor because you need to know what is going to be played over top of what's being filmed without you actually being able to voice it. Mm-hmm. And I think he does a great job of basically, you know, 90% of a movie where he's having an internal monologue and has to like emote with that. I yeah. agree. I, I, he, he, his performance was what captured, what like kept me in this film. A hundred percent. He's just, it was such a precise performance. He's just got such a captivating face. It, he just has this thing where you can't not be engaged when he's on the screen. And like he's, I think he's maybe in like every single scene in this mm-hmm. movie. I think so, yeah. That's a big task. That's a yeah. big ask of an actor, and he does carry it all. It's super impressive. He's like a really strong leading man. It's also mm-hmm. a really physical performance, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that as well. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really. It takes a certain actor to be able to carry an entire film, mm-hmm. and he does to- totally. Yeah, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that he is so perfect in this. He yeah. has such a cold, calculating energy that makes him perfect for this role. Yes. It made him perfect in Shame. Yeah. It made him perfect as David in Prometheus. Totally. Mm-hmm. There was so much of David in this mm-hmm. that I just thought it worked so well, even as a young Mag- Magneto. it's He just has that. Mm. This is just perfect. He could have played Patrick Bateman. Like, he just has... <laughs> the qualities for this and he's one of those actors that I can never fully trust I know I don't know what to think of Michael Fassbender he's a bit of an enigma to me I don't Mm -hmm. know if he's nice I don't know if he's mean you hear rumors of him being not the greatest guy but then rumors of him being a good guy and he's just kind of I just find him to be a bit of a mystery and he's also a bit eerie I think have you ever seen Michael Fassbender smile? It's off-putting. Oh, I don't know <laughs> that I have. Kind of. Google Michael kind of. Fassbender smiling. I don't and know if I want to. <laughs> you'll be like, like, he's got fangs. He just, it's like not a trustworthy smile. Right. Yeah. And I kind of love that about him, where you're like, mm, I don't know about you, Fassbender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Uh, but he's perfect in this. And then Tilda uh-huh. Swinton's perfect, too. She comes in and she just kills her scene. And it's one of the best scenes in the movie. And then her scene kills her. <laughs> and then her scene kills her. <laughs> I love Tilda Swinton always. She's she's just always in amazing in literally everything. Another just... one, don't trust her smile either. Tilda oh. Swinton's smiling. No, thank <laughs> you. No. And also why she's perfect for this, yeah, right? Because yeah. she lives and exists in that world. She was brilliant. Uh, but that joke... Like, she, it's like a the full bear minute and a half or two minutes where she's just telling this long-ass joke. And I swear to God, I, I know that joke. I'm sure my dad has told me or something. Like, it's, I am, mm-hmm. I've heard that joke before. And I'm like, what? It, why is she just telling this whole joke? And what is it supposed to, like, what's it mean? What, you're not really here for the hunting, are you? But it's like, well, 
like why why it yeah. it means that he likes the punishment mm-hmm. i think like so is I think that it, the insight into the character that line is what we're supposed to like yes yeah. you are there are so many little moments in this that give you insight into him that i think is just done in it's vague but it's not vague it's like oddly very specific <laughs> you know, mm. which is this movie. It's very precise. It's very sp- specific. Uh, well, but it's done yeah. in this kind of offbeat way, I guess. And she does mention in her monologue that he missed. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. she knows in the same way that you said it, Sinclair, that, like, that is what has driven you to all- do all of this. Yeah. Is mm. because you missed. She She clocks that with him. Okay, that's um, interesting. That is interesting. But that scene is so engaging. Like, you could just watch that scene as a short film 100%. without any context, and you would know, oh, these are two killers, right? Yeah. Like, and it says it's it's written on both of their faces. The second mm-hmm. that he sits down, takes the gun out of her purse and sits there, like, and you see her facial expressions, you're like, oh, I know the whole story. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... She she actually comes in, like, she just comes in as a complete opposite of him, too. And she's like, oh, hi, oh, darling, get me this, get me that. Like, she just comes in, and his whole thing is just kind of blend in, be a nobody, be a nothing, be a nobody, uh, don't be memorable. And you see someone like Tilda Swinton, who's supposed to be this assassin, that's completely memorable. Yeah. Like, that woman doesn't blend in anywhere. (laughs) So true. Can you picture her at brunch? No. (laughs) Can you picture her at the grocery store? No. Yeah. How is this woman an assassin? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. She looks like an alien from another planet. Like, she's, like, (laughs) mythical. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Why don't we get into technical? One thing that I do want to highlight, technically, that I really thought was strong was were some of the action sequences um the fight sequence between him and the guy with (gasps) the dog was really fantastic that fight sequence was incredible and i don't even like fight sequences and i was like this is amazing that's one of the best i've seen in so long it made it reminded me of the one in atomic blonde or some of the better ones in john wick where you really like feel each Mm -hmm. hit it's like visceral Mm -hmm. and brutal and you it's like you you know that they're exhausted and beaten and it's like Mm -hmm. it was really great and and like the also the lighting i'm sure we'll talk about the cinematography but like how that was in a dark ass house and really complex choreography and how they managed to have it be lit so we didn't miss any of that was fucking brilliant Mm -hmm. and the editing of that like it was technically incredibly impressive yeah honestly just so so incredible it was just so I, I was blown away by that particular scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my favorite scene technically is like the rear window homage mm-hmm. at the beginning of the mm-hmm. film. It is so perfectly done, especially the sequence when he's lining up to take the shot and he puts the music on and it's going in and out of his ear. I loved that. That yeah. mix so perfectly with the monologue, yeah. how that's timed with what he's doing, listening to the music and then saying what he's saying is so, it's so um I was going to say executed, which I think is <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. The, the appropriate word, but as I mean, the music choices, I think the Smiths is so funny I know. to be throughout this film yeah. Yeah. because the Smiths to me that 
is a mood like if you're listening to the Smiths so you chill. care you care about this you care about something like you right, care right. about your emotions if you're listening mm. to the Smiths like I would put that on if I was in a mood yeah. um and I love well, I love that they used how soon is now which is like a favorite song of mine it's so good and once that song came on and the way it was used I was like I'm in it I'm in this movie you've got me you've hooked me you've like hacked into the algorithm of my brain David Fincher <laughs> and I'm on your side I'm watching this and I'm in it <laughs> the Killer is you know. David Fincher's most personal movie for Sinclair. For me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you see me, David Fincher. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and I found the choice of the Smiths throughout as well to be so interesting because that's not like an adrenaline adrenaline type of music. Oh. But it makes sense because when he's about to take a shot, he's trying to bring his heart rate down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to make himself even keel. And so I can understand how you would listen to something like that because it is very like it, it it's not gonna get your heart rate up. It's just oh like But oh, like what about Enya? <laughs> well he used Enya already in Girl pump. with the Dragon tattoo. He can't he can't You're right. use her again. So he was You're like, right. Okay, what's next? The Smiths. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just to go back again to the to the cinematography, mm-hmm. it was Eric Messerschmidt who was a cinematographer who also worked on Mank, um, oh, which Mank. was obviously incredible, Beautiful, incredibly yeah. stunning film. And yeah, I just thought the lighting, like we talked about in that fight sequence, but even in the like kind of hazy, warm bar sequence with Tilda Swinton and at mm-hmm. the opening. It was really beautiful, and they, all of David Fincher's films are. We know that he's a, a stylistic director. It's always going to be visually really impressive and technically impressive. And I know you were worried about not being able to see this on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. I saw it at the theater. It was it was impressive technically to see it on the yeah, big screen. Yeah, the for release sure. was just so limited, mm. which ah, it, it kind of sucks because a movie this technically wonderful mm-hmm. you want to see on the biggest screen possible and it's hard when it has such a limited release even toronto the release is so limited here in mm-hmm. toronto in like mm-hmm. the biggest city uh a little shout out to the costuming department because this wouldn't be the most exciting job mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure <laughs> but at the same time you know would be so detailed and precise however the main thing in terms of dressing the main character is he's saying hey, we live in a world where we're seen all the time. It's impossible to mm. not be seen, so the goal is to not be memorable. So to mm-hmm. say to a costume department, hey, <laughs> you have to dress this character like he's not memorable. Have fun. Right. Okay, go. Yeah. Like, that's a that's task. And yeah. it's, you know, not the most exciting job, but there's there's comedy in that. And I think that it was it was done really well, that he was like, I'm a German tourist. And yeah. <laughs> you know? He had yeah. a bucket hat at one point. Yeah, I yeah, I'm pretty hat. sure he had a balaclava at some point yeah. too. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, what is the last word on the killer, Helen? Yeah, I mean, I actually watched this with Justin. Him and I don't often watch films together, but I thought this was one that we would both enjoy, mm-hmm. and and we did. We we did both like it, and it made me want to watch more. Fincher movies with him because he's seen some but not all Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to watch Gone Girl with him Mm -hmm. I want to watch Girl with a Dragon Tattoo with him Mm -hmm. so it really did make me like go through Fincher's filmography and remind myself how many amazing movies he's done and then want to revisit them Um, so yeah I'm looking forward to doing that Mm -hmm. what about you Eddie so the movie for me was just okay 
technically mm-hmm. it was fantastic. It ha- definitely had a great performance from Michael Fassbender, but for me, the story wasn't meaty enough to make me feel invested. Mm-hmm. It wasn't outrageous enough to be fun. I didn't care. So in short, the killer did not slay. How about you, Sinclair? <laughs> he shot and he missed. Didn't hit Edison. Well, um, yeah, I would say that for me, right on target, baby, right on target. (laughs) Uh, I really liked The Killer, and my initial watch of it, I really enjoyed it, but then my appreciation for it definitely continued to grow uh, over the next couple days. And there were certain things in this that I, like, personally related to, oddly, somehow (laughs) with a movie about an assassin nihilism uh and i will always dive right into that nihilism pool so uh for me personally it was definitely enjoyable and i also just think that david fincher is one of the coolest living directors so uh you you you'll always get something out of his movie i even got something out of meg so (laughs) yeah All right, well, this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me. If you would like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And Season 7's episodes are streaming on YouTube, youtube.com slash talkmovietomepodcast. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Adios, amigas. (laughs) (laughs) 